Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the DJ Sports Show, where your host, DJ Hamilton. And today we got a great episode for you guys today on this beautiful Monday on spring break, March 14th. I'm recording this episode, and I'm going to get into the Russell Wilson trade that happened last week. Tom Brady, I'm retired. Deshaun Watson will not face criminal charges. Khalil Mack to Los Angeles Chargers. Gary Popovich becoming the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. Kevin Garnett getting his number five raise and TD Garden for the Boston Celtics. Mario Cooper getting traded to the Cleveland Browns. MLB won't have a lockout anymore. And a lot more on this loaded episode for you guys. This is a great episode. I worked really hard on it and hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, reviews for the podcast. I want to get more of your feedback, what you guys think of the show, what I can get better at. I'm always looking to improve, stuff like that. I want to know you guys, your guys' opinions and what you think of the show. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode as I really worked hard on it. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Plug your headphones in, grab a snack, and enjoy it. Let's do it. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So the first thing I want to get into today is Russell Wilson, a former Seattle Seahawks superstar quarterback being traded to Denver Broncos last Tuesday. And it was a shocking bit of news. It, it surprised everyone in the sports media field because nobody was expecting it. As the Seahawks shed away their quarterback of the last decade and Wilson to the Denver Broncos. So the trade included quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, and a plethora of draft picks with two of them being first round draft picks. Um, A trade shouldn't be all that shocking to us people as Wilson was reportedly unhappy with the Seahawks organization before the start of last season with head coach Pete Carroll after two very disappointing seasons with the team. And it kind of boiled over into this season as well. Um, He was also out most of the season due to a finger injury. And according to Liz Washer of Yahoo Sports, Wilson's unhappiness wasn't the only only main reason Um, the Seahawks traded him as he was also seeking a big contract in the Patrick Mahomes range. And the Seahawks weren't seeing eye to eye with that in large part due to Wilson's age. He's 33 years old. He's not exactly in the prime of his career. And... Before the trade, Wilson was set to count $37 million against the salary cap for this upcoming season. But with him being traded traded now, it also gives the Seahawks a chance and saves them $11 million in the salary cap. So that's good news for them. Wilson has even removed the Seahawks from his Twitter bio back in February, was adding more speculation of a possible trade down the line. And this trade also gives Denver an elite quarterback that they had not had since they won the Super Bowl back in 2016 with Peyton Manning. It also gives the Seahawks a chance to start fresh and rebuild with Wilson gone as they look to discover an identity in life after him. So last year, the Broncos were 27th in plays per game, 25th in pass touchdowns, and they ranked near the bottom half of the league in touchdowns. They were 22nd, red zone touchdowns 22nd. And they were 21st overall in touchdown, first downs, excuse me, among others, according to 
lineups.com NFL team rankings. They do a great. I love that website because they have NBA, MLB, NFL. You can see the rankings of where teams ranked in certain statistics, and it's just an amazing website. Whoever runs it does a great job of providing valuable information. So meanwhile, excluding this past season, Wilson has been sidelined for most of it going back to the 2020-21 season. The Seahawks, when he played in 2020-21, the offense was ranked near the top in many offensive categories from points per game, eighth past touchdowns they were third in the league they were seventh in touchdowns seventh in red zone touchdowns 11th in pass completions and fourth in red zone percentage according to lineups.com slash nfl team rankings and that was in large part due to his his brilliance in running the offense for the seahawks um going to the afc though it's gonna be tough um it, it was already hard before extremely difficult to win the afc because but now with Wilson joining in AFC, you have also have other quarterbacks such as Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been an MVP, made two straight Super Bowls, but he, he was just a game short of it this season for making his third straight. You got Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, who also won a unanimous MVP. Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers, who just got better because they added Khalil Mack on the defensive end. And Justin Herbert has a rocket arm. He's going to be a transcendent talent in this league. He read, if not already. And the man who just was the runner-up in the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, sheesh, talk about a bloodbath that the AFC is going to be. It's going to be a gauntlet. And add Russell Wilson to the mix? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be exciting to watch. So after the trade was announced, the Broncos' odds to win the Super Bowl improved from 25-1 to to 12-1 to Tuesday at Caesar Sportsbook. And Wilson still has two years and $51 million left on his four-year, $140 million extension he signed back on April 2019. That includes base salaries of 19 and $22 million, with $5 million of March roster bonuses in each year, making up the remainder, according to ESPN.com. During his historic decade as a Seahawk, the team that selected him in the third round in 2012, Wilson was a Super Bowl champion in 2014, second-team All-Pro in 2019, he was a nine-time Pro Bowler. He led the league in passing yards in 2015 and touchdowns in 2017. Would a chance to start fresh in a new location be, be will it be beneficial to Wilson? And can he help elevate this team to a deep playoff run? One thing I know is to not bet against the leadership of Russell Wilson. He's a tremendous player. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He might not be as good as he used to be, but I think if he can get healthy and really integrate himself Within this offensive with Denver Broncos, he's going to have Jerry Judy and other offensive weapons. Their defense is pretty good, and they have a much better quarterback than they did with Drew Locke. Broncos, I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl, but they could really make a run in the AFC. I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the AFC Championship round. If everything goes right and Russell Wilson plays at an MVP level that I think he's still capable of, and he's getting a fresh start, which I think is what he wanted, so he's going to be rejuvenated and re-energized in this franchise. So it's going to be really exciting to see how things shake up in the AFC and if Russell Wilson can get the Broncos to the Super Bowl next season. Transitioning now to the Sean Watson situation, as it was reported earlier on Friday that the Houston Texans quarterback will not face criminal charges and sexual assault allegations. And I, and I have an article coming up today on Monday as I speak here on March 14th. And what has been a whirlwind roller coaster ride of emotions for Houston Texans star quarterback Deshaun Watson over the last year, 
due to sexual misconduct allegations filed by 22 women who accused him of harassment and sexual assault. But some positive news came on Friday when a grand jury declined to indict Watson following a police investigation that was initiated due to a lawsuit filed by the 22 women accusing him of harassment and sexual assault. The prosecutors in Harris, Texas, displayed the evidence and testimony to the 12 people in the grand jury for over six hours on Friday that were in relation to the nine of 10 criminal complaints against Watson. The grand jury dismissed all nine cases as prosecutors decided to not present the 10th. According to Jonna Stallings, the chief of the Adult Sex Crimes and Trafficking Division with the Harris County District Attorney's Office, the grand jury's decision ended criminal proceedings related to Watson in Harris County in Houston. Watson then expressed his relief after the jury's decision by stating, it's definitely a very emotional moment for me. I know we're far from being done of handling what we need to handle on the legal side, but today is definitely a big day. I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for letting the truth be heard. And I thank everyone that was a part of this for seeing and hearing both sides. That's what my point and my team want to do. It's having a fair slate of us telling our side of the story and letting the conclusion to come to what happened today. And that's what the and that's what the grand jury decided on. He continued his statement with, I'm just going to keep fighting to build my name and rebuild my appearance in the community. And on the legal side, I'm handle what we need to handle. We'll also get to get on the field and prep for that. The announcement of the jury's decision on Friday came almost a year after the first lawsuit was filed against Watson, with the 22 civil cases accusing him of inappropriate behavior at massage appointments, to touching women with his genitals, to oral sex. Eight of the women who sued him filed complaints against him to the Houston police that were set to appear before the jury trial, while two women who also sued Watson filed police complaints. Watson's lawyers did state that some sexual activity did occur during some of the massage appointments, but that he did not coerce or force anyone to perform sexual acts without consent. He's, his lead attorney, Rustin Hardin, stated, quote, We are delighted that the grand jury has looked at the matter thoroughly and reached the same conclusion we did. That Sean Watson did not commit any crimes and is not guilty of any offenses. Now that the criminal investigations have been completed, we are happy to move forward with a civil case depositions, we will vigorously defend those cases with every ounce we have. Watson has not played for the Texans since the first lawsuit was filed against him back on March 16, 2020, basically the start of the COVID pandemic, and he missed all of the 2021 NFL season despite being listed as active on the roster. Despite that, he was still paid his full $10.54 million in base salary, and in January 2021, he emphasized to the Texans that he was unhappy with the direction the franchise was going. With the news of Watson now not facing criminal charges, expect the trade market to continue to heat up and really start rapidly heating up for the star quarterback with Houston open to moving him and multiple teams reportedly interested in him, such as the Seattle Seahawks, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, and Pittsburgh Steelers, just to name a few. Can Deshaun Watson regain his reputation as a good quality teammate, as a leader, and a guy you want in your community? Only time will tell. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. Will team. I know those teams like the Saints, Seahawks, now losing Russell Wilson to that trade to the Broncos. They could definitely use a dynamic quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who when he when he was playing the NFL, from the moment he came to the NFL, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He it used to, the conversation used to be him, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Like legit, legit. 
before Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow came in, Kyler Murray, before those guys came in, those were the three young stud quarterbacks. And, of course, Mahomes kind of separated himself from Lamar and Sean Watson from by winning in the postseason. But Sean Watson, don't get it twisted. He he can run the football. He has a pretty good arm. He's He's just dynamic. And this situation has kind of derailed his career and has taken away some of his prime years, which is sad to see. But I hope he can come back into the NFL, make a splash, and make his name known as one of the best players in the National Football League once again and one of the great quarterbacks in the league. Hopefully, all the civil cases, you know, they settle it and he go back to playing football. Continuing on with NFL news, the GOAT announced he's coming back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Tom Brady announced on his Instagram and his Twitter that he's returning to the game of football. His retirement just lasted 40 days. And he put it <clears throat> on Twitter and Instagram saying he has unfinished business. And this is what he said. Quote, these past two months, I realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. And I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back from my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business. Let's effing go. He led the Buccaneers to Super Bowl title two seasons ago and an NFC South Championship last season. He teamed with Coach Bill Belichick to win six Super Bowls during his 20 seasons with the New England Patriots. He's 44 years old, and he has led the NFL in yards passing, 5,316, touchdowns, 43, and completions, 485, and attempts, 719, in 2021. But they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions in the Los Angeles Rams in the divisional round of the playoffs. The announcement comes the same day he posted a video on his IG stories in which he was talking to soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo, and Ronaldo asked him, you're finished, right? And Brady kind of had a grin. You know that grin? Like, on the emoji, where you have that smiley teeth, just like, <laughs> that was Brady. And ladies and gentlemen, I had a, I know I did an article on reminiscing on Tom Brady's career. When I was writing it, I had a feeling he was going to come back. I didn't really think he was fully done because he just went. Like, he didn't, nobody really actually knew he was going to actually retire. Like, when you're on that level of greatness that Tom Brady's on, like, you're the GOAT of your sport or you're in that conversation, there's no way you don't want a farewell tour. Like, Seriously, it's your Tom Brady. Of course, you will want something like that. And in a statement Sunday evening, the Bucks general manager Jason Litch said the announcement was something the team had been preparing for in recent days. Bruce Arians, who's the head coach of the Buccaneers, um, he also said he had plenty of conversations with Tom recently that led us to believe there was a realistic chance he would want to come back. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, Litch stated, who is still playing at an elite level. With this decision now made, we will continue to move forward with our offseason plans to reload this roster for another championship run. Aarons, who was at the NFL Combine just two weeks ago, said he didn't think Brady was returning, and he added that he felt the quarterback was done because of the reasons he retired, which was mainly family. His children are getting older, and his wife, Giselle Budgeton, has said she has struggled with seeing him take so many hits, but Brady is able to return because of the full support of his family. And in a statement on Sunday, Arian said the team is ecstatic that Brady's returning for another season. And he also had this to say about Tom Brady, stating that Tom Brady loves to play football as much as anyone I've ever been around. As Tom said, his place right now is on the football field. And this, and we know what's ironic about Tom Brady coming back because the football that the last touchdown that he threw the ball, that the same day someone brought it for five hundred eighteen thousand dollars, the last career touchdown pass he threw to wide receiver Mike Evans who also tweeted LFG after Brady's announcement. 
So whoever brought that ball is punching themselves in the air right now. <laughs> They're like, yo, I just spent almost half a mil on this ball. And then he goes back and he's going to play in the NFL. Kick in the air right now. <laughs> they have to be. But Braves' return comes on the eve of NFL free agency. And which the Bucks will face tough odds to return all their free agents, such as tight end Rob Gronkowski, right guard Alex Kappa, cornerback Carlton Davis, running back Leonard Fournette, safety Jordan Whitehead, defensive lineman Nadamu Kongsa, and outside linebacker Jason Pierre-Paul are all set to become unrestricted free agents with the Bucks currently $11 million over the salary cap. So they're definitely not going to be able to sign all these guys back as some guys are going to want big contracts or want to go elsewhere. And Gronkowski has not yet committed to a return for this upcoming season. And he said at the end of the season that his status will not be tied to Tom Brady this time. Um, Tampa Bay did lock up one key impending free agent hours after Brady's announcement when they signed Senator Ryan Jensen to a three-year $30 million deal, which was a according to a source by ESPN. So the Buccaneers, after Brady's announcement, they saw their odds to win the Super Bowl at Caesar Sportsbook drop from 20 to 1, entering Sunday to 10 to 1, following the Brady news. Their odds to win the NFC went down from 10 to 1 to 5 to 1. That is, they're, they're the odds on favorite, almost. They're just behind the Los Angeles Rams, who are the defending Super Bowl champions. They deserve to be the favorites. With Matthew Stafford and the crew, especially if Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham come back and they get the whole crew back healthy, there's no reason they can't repeat. You got Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay for the foreseeable future, and you got the San Francisco 49ers as well in that conversation. Brady also now has the third lowest odds to win the 2022 NFL MVP behind Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, as he dropped from 45 to 1 to 9 to 1 following the announcement. Odds involving Brady and the Bucks were down for more than an hour while Caesar Sportsbook was working through the news while it was circulating throughout the media because they were working along the NCAA tournament lines for the betting odds. Brady's the NFL's all-time career leading yards passing with 84,520 and touchdowns, 624. He is the only player to win more than five Super Bowls, has been MVP of the game five times. He has won three NFL MVP awards, been first-team All-Pro three times, and selected to 15 Pro Bowls, which is the most all-time. He is 243-73 and 73 in his career in the regular season and 35-12 and 12 in the postseason. Anything else at this point is just icing on the cake for the greatest of all time. Will he end up winning another Super Bowl? I, I mean, the Bucs definitely have the... They definitely... I think they have the talent to do it. I think with the leadership of Tom Brady, he always elevates his teammates. He always... Make sure they try to perfect their craft day in and day out, week in and week out. And make sure they pay attention to the important details of the game and fundamentals to become great players. And I think Buccaneers will be definitely odds-on favorites to definitely get into the Super Bowl again. Tom Brady's going for that A championship, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's going to be 40, what, 40, I think he's going to be 45 in August. This guy, he's really going to, I think he's going to play until he's 50. Like, What? He's he said twenty. You know how, you know how unprecedented this is. Twenty third NFL season. Not even some NBA players. The most seasons an NBA player ever played was twenty two, I believe. And Tom Brady's playing the NFL, one of the most violent sports in the world, and he's playing his twenty third season like it's nothing. Like that's insane. I know maybe because playing quarterback is easier. I know it's hard position, but you don't really have to move around that much. Tom Brady doesn't really move around. He's more in the pocket, old school type quarterback. 
and he has a pretty good offensive line in Tampa Bay. But the way he's so smart with the football, making smart decisions, how to take care of his body is what has last is what has caused him to last this long and why he's been so successful. And watch the NFL rig it for him now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love Tom Brady, but watch them rig it for him now to definitely get this season going to the Super Bowl because this might actually be his last season. I don't I don't think he plays beyond this season. I'll be shocked if he plays beyond this season. And I kind of had a feeling he was going to come back for this season. I didn't really think he was actually done done. People were just reporting stuff and making assumptions that he was actually done. And I think that's what caused him to retire. But I think after this season, after he gets a, a real farewell tour, I think he will actually retire. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be an exciting NFL season. The AFC is going to be cooking with all these great quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Mark Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. How did I forget him when I was talking about the AFC quarterbacks earlier? And then you got NFC Tom Brady coming back. That's a great storyline. Aaron Rodgers is back with the Packers. You just got so much great stuff going on in the NFL right now. And I can't wait for the season to start again. I'm ready for the NFL season. NFL and NBA are my two favorite sports. <laughs> favorite sports. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Tom Brady. I mean, what, what else can be said that has not been said about this man? What, what else can be said? NFC? Yeah, the NFC is not really. Yeah, you got the Rams. You got the Buccaneers back now. You got the Packers. I think those are the only three legit contenders in the NFC, to be honest. If the 49ers could get a legit quarterback, then we could talk some 49ers. And the Cowboys, I don't know what's going to happen. It was last season a fluke, or can they really build on that success from last season and make a deeper run in the postseason? I want to wait and see. Because Dak Prescott, I think he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. And there's levels to this. You know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting to see these two different divisions and conferences and all that. And I can't wait for the NFL season. Moving into a lot of NFL, running into more after this break. But coming up next, we got Mark Cooper going to Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Mack getting traded to the Los Angeles Chargers, the MLB ending their lockout and coming up with a new CBA deal to have an MLB season on time, be able to have a full season actually, and running into more stuff about the NBA and maybe Naomi Osaka. So stay tuned for more coming up after the break.
As we continue with NFL news, Mari Cooper is heading to Cleveland Browns as the Cowboys have agreed to a deal to send him and a sixth-round pick to go to Cleveland and a fifth-round pick and sixth-round pick the Browns sent to Dallas. Mark Cooper, he was a good wide receiver and very talented, but when it came to consistently showing up in big games, he left a lot to be desired for someone who, who wanted to get paid so much and was getting paid a lot. And... The fact that they got the Browns got Mahari Cooper for such little, they didn't even trade away a marquee player. They just traded away draft picks. And if I'm Mahari Cooper, I'm kind of taking that personally. But the re- reality is, the Cowboys will be happy to get anything for him as they were prepared to release him rather than pay his $20 million base salary for this upcoming season. And it's unclear whether Cooper and the Browns have agreed to any kind of restructured contract as part of the deal. And the league, new league year starts this coming Wednesday, and the trades become official. So the Russell Wilson trade will become official, um, Khalil Mack and Mark Cooper. And Mark Cooper will be on this new team with the Browns playing with Baker Mayfield. And they hope he could be a better fit in their offense than Odell Beckham was. And the Browns last year, they were 27th in passing yards, 30th in pass completions, 20th in pass touchdowns, 28th in pass attempts. 30th and 4th down percentage, 17th in for, on first downs. They just were not that good in the passing game. Mostly because their quarterback's not that great. But when you're going to have a guy like Mari Cooper, who is a pretty good wide receiver, I think he's been a pro bowler before. That's going to give you some opportunities to open up in the passing game. And can Baker Mayfield get the ball to him? That's the key. Can he get the ball to him? Yeah, Martin Cooper is a four-time Pro Bowler, so he's no slouch. It's just he doesn't really show up when you need him the most, which is kind of concerning for a guy who pretty much was like the one a top two option on the Cowboys all those years in the passing game. But the Browns were some of the worst passing teams in the league, one of the worst passing teams in the league last season, and hopefully Mark Cooper can help make life easier for Baker Mayfield on that end of the field, and then. Man, I don't I don't think the Browns are gonna go anywhere. But Mark Cooper, man, if I'm you, I'm taking this personally. The fact that you got traded for just draft picks and you don't even you don't even know what those draft picks are gonna turn out to be. That they, they didn't trade away any marquee player to get you get your services. If I'm him, I'm taking that personally. But Mark Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, is now a Cleveland Brown. As we continue with a flurry of news going on in the NFL, the Chicago Bears finalized a trade last week. It was a few days ago. I think it was on Thursday. That will send six-time Pro Bowl defensive end Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers. Sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Chargers are expected to send a 2022 second-round draft pick and a 2023 sixth-rounder to the Bears in return for a 31-year-old Mack. This marks the first major move for the new Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, who was hired in January, and it also reunites Mack, who was the 2016 Defensive Player of the Year, with Chargers coach Brandon Staley. Staley was Mack's linebacker's coach when the Bears acquired him from the Raiders back on September of 2018. In that first season with Chicago, Mack finished with 12.5 sacks, and he was second in the AP Defensive Player of the Year vote. It was only double-digit sack season he had in Chicago. He had six in 2020-21, but they came in seven games as he had season-ending foot surgery in November. The Chargers were in need of help along the defensive line as they finished 30th in rushing defense in 2021, allowing 138.9 yards per game, 
which also caused them to allow the highest conversion rate on third down in NFL, 69%. Ouch. Now that Mack will join four-time Pro Bowler Joey Bosa and will be a fierce combination for the Chargers. Oh, man. And the Chargers also get Cologne back helps not just... They were 30th in rush yards, 29th in rushing touchdowns. They allowed a lot of rushing touchdowns. They were terrible. 27th in touchdowns allowed overall, 29th in red zone attempts, 30th in red zone touchdowns allowed, 25th in red zone touchdown percentage. So they were terrible in in defending the run and in the passing game. They were just terrible defensively overall, and they were 29th in points allowed. They were one of the worst defenses in the league last season. Getting Khalil Mack along with Joy and then having Joy Bosa still there, that's definitely going to upgrade their defense. Two pro bowlers, two of some of the best to do it in the league. So the presence will come at a perfect time for Los Angeles of Khalil Mack on their defense as Patrick Mahomes, you have an AFC, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, all opposing quarterbacks, and will be a loaded AFC West. Mack still has three more seasons remaining on his contract as he's owed 17.775 million in 2022, 22.9 million in 2023, and 23.25 million in 2024. The Chargers will take on his full contract, a source told Schefter, and the Chargers finished 9 and 8 last season as they got off to a 4-1 start but missed the playoffs for the third straight season, winning back-to-back games only once after week 5 and they lost three of their final four games. Um, when Staley was hired as Chargers head coach last January, he credited working with Mack for helping tremendously in his development as a coach and stated, I learned a lot more from Cleo Mack than he learned from me. I drew a lot of confidence being able to coach a guy like him. And I think that first season in Chicago and that first experience, I felt like, you know, I could do this someday. The Bears opted for major changes after going 6-11 and and missing the playoffs for the ninth time in 11 years as they fired general manager Ryan Pace, coach Matt Nagy, placing them with Poles and Matt Eberflus, respectively. Trading Mac for Jeff Capital is the first big step for the new regime toward overhauling the Bears roster and the acquisition of Mac in the blockbuster trade with the Raiders. Mac had a contract dispute with the team just before the start of the 2018 season as he helped transform a solid defense into an elite unit and propelled the Bears to the NFC North Championship in Nagy's first season. Mack was an all-pro that season with 12 and a half sacks, helped Chicago go 12-4, and four, and made the postseason for the first time since 2010. And they lost in the wildcard game at Soldier Field to Philadelphia, and they have never won a playoff game with Mack at the helm. But yeah, Ikes and the Chargers also were 16th in passing touchdowns allowed. They were just arguably the only team, the only two teams who were worse on defense than them were the Lions and the New York Jets. That's That's bad. That's really bad. And I'm trying to, I'm call, according to lineups.com, I'm trying to look where the Bears ranked. Because Kaluma, so the Bears defensively, they were sixth in the yards allowed, which is very good. Third in passing yards allowed defensively. Second in pass completions allowed. They were one of the best defenses in the league. The only reason they weren't that good because their offense wasn't great. They had a, Their offense was putrid. Kaluma Mack was the big reason why their defense was so good. I know he got hurt, but let's let's be real. He makes a big impact on that defense, and he's the best defense player on that team. They were seventh in first downs allowed, eighth in red zone touchdowns allowed, eleventh in rush touchdowns allowed. They were all in the upper half of the league or near the top of the league in most of these def- defensive allowed rankings. So, Clovis had a big part of, of that, and hopefully, he can make the same impact for the Los Angeles Chargers. 
Switching over to the MLB now, there will be a 2022 baseball season. Yeah, you heard that correctly. There will be a 2022 baseball season. <sighs> the most important things will look the same. It'll be three outs, 30 teams, one trophy, six months, and it'll be 162 games. So just nine days. Well, more than that now, but it was a locker that lasted pretty much three months. The Major League Baseball and the Player Association agreed to a new labor contract Thursday, last Thursday afternoon in New York City, which will ensure a full season, averting the most catastrophic consequences. Basically, calling it the 11th hour of the, of the bottom of the ninth, <laughs> they came in clutch as things were getting very, very dark for the MLB. And it really came up big. Um, and it's going to be a free agency. The spring training, I, I believe, just started. The collective bargaining agreement will govern owner and players' relations for the next five years. It represents a concerted effort by the union to close some of the loopholes by which teams have suppressed salaries in recent years and rest a greater portion of the growing economic pie for themselves. Um, the more visible changes were not were bogged down the bargaining for months at a time, but the baseball that returns to the field this summer will feature a universal designated hitter and a 12-team postseason. Every team will play every other team each year starting 2023 with few, fewer series against division rivals. And a new deal also paves the way for the league to implement more changes, including a pitch clock, bigger bases, and a ban on certain defensive shifts as soon as 2023, something Manford called maybe most important. On the more economic issues that made up the meat of the negotiations, here are some of the what deals that landed in regards to the negotiations between the MLB and MLBPA. So the minimum major league salary will rise from $570,500 in 2021 to $700,000 this season. And it will escalate to $780,000 by the end of the, the their new deal, which is five years from now. So 2027, it will be $780,000. A $50 million bonus pool will be distributed annually to the most productive players who haven't reached arbitration. There'll be a draft lottery, a la like the NBA, but with fewer picks involved. So for the top six picks, they'll be instituted as part of an effort to discourage tanking. Teams will be eligible for draft pick incentives if they promote top prospects for opening day. And rookies who finish in the top two in rookie of the year voting will be credited with a full year of service, regardless of days on the roster. All, and including... You have the luxury tax threshold, $210 million in 2021. will start at $230 million this season, and it will grow to $244 million by the end of the CBA. Penalties for the first threshold and subsequent two subcharged levels remain the same as the outgoing CBA. And a fourth threshold was added at $60 million above the initial threshold with higher penalties. Man first stated, I hope that the players appreciate that we worked very hard to address the key concerns that they brought. With spring trading um, already postponed, the two sides failed to reach an agreement after nine days of daily bargaining in Jupiter, Florida, ahead of a February 28th deadline MLB has set to start the season. So I think everybody on the teams are just practicing, trying to get in shape for the regular season, as I think it's believed it's supposed to start April 1st. And at the time, Manfred did say when the deadline passed February 28th and there was no deal reached, that the first two series have been canceled unequivocally and that the league will not reschedule missed games. So this is really good news for the MLB to get a deal done so you can still have a full season. And it's, 
this is this is a good look for baseball. What was the second longest lockout in their history? I think the longest was back in 1994, the 95 strikeout, I believe. So that was the biggest one. But baseball finally, finally doing what they need to do to make the players happy, to reinvent the game. Them introducing the pitch clock, that kind of surprised me. It's like a shot clock in basketball. That kind of surprised me. And that this, that's to speed up the game and hopefully gain more viewers again. Because nobody wants to sit and watch a three and a half, four hour game. Nobody wants to do that. And they kind of saved the season and hopefully the future of baseball. We'll see what this looks like. It won't happen this season, but I believe it will happen next season in 2023. In the 2023-24 season. I really want, I'm going to be interested to see what that looks like and how it really helps the pace of the game and how players adjust to that. Knowing there's a pitch clock, you can't take all the time in the world you you want to pitch. So I want to see how that kind of speeds up the game. So with 162 games locked in, this will definitely save the MLB a lot of money. And the collection of bargaining agreement, springs negotiations, governs and shapes the sport in basically every way you can imagine. And the next five years, we'll definitely watching a version of baseball that will be adjusted by the push and pull of these negotiations and what has come out of these negotiations. The bigger playoff format is going to be interesting. And it's just, I can't wait. I, I'm not really a big baseball guy, but I want to see how these teams adjust to these new rules, um, new salaries, and playing against different teams, not playing against teams in your division so often, playing against every team in MLB, seeing different styles and different players. It's what's going to be really exhilarating for baseball fans, seeing different matchups. How does this guy go against this pitcher? How's this hitter? How's this pitcher pick, pitch against one of the top hitters in the league in this division? Like, it's going to be exciting to see. And having a, a less divisional packed starting next season schedule of division teams is going to be interesting. So can baseball, I want to see, can they also market their star players better? Can they do that? So like if say you live in Detroit, for example, and you want to see Juan Soto, who's one of the best players in baseball playing person, that will become a kind of less daunting starting 2023 as MLB TV, I believe will be coming more nationalized and we covering the sport even more. So that's going to be exciting. MLB.TV will be coming soon, I believe, next season. Just like you have NBA TV, NBA, always covering NBA news, what's going on, NBA circles. And then NFL Network, always covering on news, what's going on in NFL, what's going on in the league. I'm surprised MLB never had. They have MLB Network, but having MLB TV, I think, will take it up to another level. And I want to see how this draft lottery works once they implement it next season and once it's installed. And how teams will go about, the worst teams go about going through the season as the MLB wants to eliminate tanking. Looks like the NBA eliminated a few years ago. And has and they implemented the t- playing tournament. So teams like at the ninth and 10th seed and the 8th seed and 7th seed or even 11th seed, if they have a chance to get in the playing tournament, you make the end of the regular season more important, more valuable, and teams are playing harder, players are playing harder, and it makes it more interesting for the fans, a more interesting product. So players don't just sit out in the regular season. They're like, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. So what's the point of playing? Like, no, you have a chance to get into playoffs if you get in the playing tournament, which is 
from the 7th to 10th seed. So I want to know if the MLB ever implements something like that. I don't know if they ever will because it's different. Basketball is definitely different than baseball. But the fact that they're taking a lottery just like the NBA has and implementing that into their system starting next season, I want to see if they kind of take another page from the NBA and implement a playing system where teams could kind of value the regular season more. So we'll see what ultimately happens throughout the course of the CBA of the next five years. And hopefully more baseball fans gravitate to baseball again, the younger generation, just like it used to. And hopefully we still have people playing basketball, of course, because I like basketball more than baseball. <laughs> but this is definitely good news for baseball. And finally, no more dark days ahead. So that's some baseball news for you guys. But coming back after this next break, talk about Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement, and it was very heartfelt. Greg Popovich becoming the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. Give him a quick shout out, and and that's probably we'll probably talk about more NBA news, and then we'll close out the show. But before that, we'll take a quick break.
So now let's get into the legend, KG. As the Celtics raised his number five to the Raptors yesterday with Ray Allen on hand for the ceremony. Man, I'm happy to see Kevin Garnett bury his beef with his former teammate Ray Allen as they won a championship together. Him, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce were that big three. And as part of the ceremony celebrating Garnett's 60s of the franchise, he singled out Allen, who was sitting in the front row of the assembled guests alongside fellow Bay 3 member Paul Pierce, for him being presented after years of acrimony between the two. After, you know, after Ray Allen left for the Miami Heat in 2012, Kevin Garnett did not take it well. He and he, him and Ray didn't talk for years. He stated, it's good to see Ray Allen here. Real shit. It's good to see you, man. You next, dog. Referring to Allen getting his jersey retired, which will be, I think, number 20 will get retired in TD Garden. Allen then came over and gave Garnett a hug with Pierce right behind them, grabbing both of them, and a bear hug as the crowd erupted in applause. It was a moment that officially brought closure to a rift that opened up between them 10 years ago, like I said, when he signed to the Miami Heat as a free agent. It was a move that ended a five-year run for the three stars, who were all members of the NBA 75th anniversary team, which is comprised of the 75 greatest players of all time, according to executives of the NBA, NBA coaches, former and current, former players and current players, media members, and so forth. They were the three that brought Boston Championship back in 2008 when they beat the Kobe Bryant, Pago Soled, Los Angeles Lakers, and they ushered in a new era of stars congregating an NBA in an attempt to best them. Doc Rivers, who's the coach of Philadelphia 76ers, stated, yeah, that's a big one. Um, who coached the 08 title team when asked about Allen being in attendance Sunday night because that's been a problem, obviously, and the fact that it looks like the fence is finally coming down is really cool. He also stayed very, very happy for Kevin and really cool that Ray came today. Allen said he was only sure he was going to make it to the event last week. He admitted that for a long time he wasn't sure such a reunion would be possible. But after Allen, Garnett, and Pierce were together in Cleveland for the NBA 75th anniversary celebration, he said the two of them, two of them were able to have a breakthrough, and Allen said he was very happy to be a part of Garnett's day. He he referred to Garnett and the amazement of the day, saying, most definitely, I don't like being on the outside. There's so many people here that I love, that I spent time with. Those people, they're etched in my mind when it comes to my time spent here in Boston, and to not be able to connect with them was always, it was always tough for me. Just because I moved away doesn't mean that relationship, that friendship ends. So it did center around Kevin and myself because I did get the sense that the people here felt how Kevin felt. Once he accepted me, then the people accepted me. That was the sense. I was glad we could do that and people could see we won with this guy in 2008 and that's what matters most. All of that felt long in the past on this day as his number was raised to the Raptors forever with the likes of Bill Russell, Tommy Heinsohn, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Paul Pierce, and now Garnett is etched in Celtics history. And he's the latest of the 23 numbers that have been retired during their illustrious history. Former Celtic Anton Walker, before I came here, Garnett stated, he pulled me to the side. He just gave me some great words of wisdom. And I took that into the introductory press conference when he envisioned this moment of his jersey being hanged up in rafters, winning a championship, and being referred to as one of the Celtics greats. First thing he said I did at the press conference was come in here and look at, up at the rafters. I just manifested not only a championship, but being immortalized in the ceiling. You know what I'm saying? So safe to say I manifested this. 
He came in that 07 trade from the Timberwolves that helped turn around. One of the, it was the best turnaround in NBA history. The Celtics were terrible the season before his arrival. And the season he comes to the Celtics, they won a championship. The biggest one-season turnaround in NBA history. And in six seasons with the franchise, he made five all-star teams. First team on-base selection in 08. In the same year, he won the NBA Defense Player of the Year Award and made four all-defensive teams. Even though the Celtics lost in heartbreaking fashion in a 95-92 loss on Spencer Din- Dinwiddie three-pointer to the Dallas Mavericks, it was still a heartfelt moment in TD Garden for one of the game's greats. And I had the honor of watching Kevin Garnett over the years. And man, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I've ever seen a more intense player in my life. I didn't get to see MJ play. I got to see him and Kobe, the two most intense players I've ever seen. Ever. And seeing Paul Pierce talk about Kevin Garnett, them growing up, playing ball together from teenagers, and to see those two make it in life and become successful in life, but also become some of the greatest players we've ever seen and some of the legends of the game. It's it's beautiful to see. And I know a lot of people don't like Paul Pierce. I like Paul Pierce. I'm a I'm appreciative of the greats. I love the greats. I've always appreciated greats, no matter what sport. And whatever you do in life, it's not easy to be great. You gotta be you gotta make sacrifices, and that's what these guys have done. And look where it's got them. On the NBA seventy five list, as an NBA lore. On the Celtics rafters with some of the arguably the greatest franchise in sports history. The most illustrious only franchise that probably could argue against the Celtics. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think any NFL franchise, MLB, or NHL could go up against the Celtics and their history. So, and Pierce even made a statement to how appreciative he is of Garnett when he said, we appreciated you, man, who was one of eight members of the OA championship team in attendance. You brought a sense of culture to this city that was desperately needed. You brought Celtic pride back. So I want to thank you as a teammate, as a friend, as a brother. And speaking for everyone in the city and crowd and every player that had an opportunity to play with you. We love you, man. Thank you. And like he said, and then Kevin McHale, who drafted KG in Minnesota all these years, who traded him, but who also made him to the player he became in Minnesota, that superstar, the MVP, perennial all-star, all-defensive team member, and molded him. And to see him grow, Kevin McHale was just honored to see KG get his number lifted in the rafters for the team that Kevin McHale played for his whole career, which was the Boston Celtics. Seeing Bill Russell on the Jumbotron, congratulating KG. Him and KG were good friends, always talking. And Bill Russell used to tell Kevin Garnett, you're going to have your number hanged up here one day. You're going to win multiple championships, and you remind me of myself defensively. That has to come. That has to be a lot coming from a legend like Bill Russell. And KG, man, it's all well-deserved, man. Like you said, anything's possible. And you, my friend, are well-deserved of this amazing honor. Salute to the legend, KG. In a 104-102 victory of the Utah Jazz on Friday night, San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich, the great Greg Popovich, can all-time winningest head coach in NBA history with 1,336 victories and counting. And he stated, it's just a testament to a whole lot of people. Something like this does not belong to one individual. Basketball is a team sport. You preach to your, your players that they have to do it together. And that's certainly been the case in my life with all the wonderful players and coaches. Does that that I've been blessed with and the support of this wonderful city. The fans support us no matter what. All of us sharing this record. It's not mine. It's ours here in the city. Greg Popovich, I just want to quickly say, he's 73 years old in his 26th season with the Spurs. He has 
military backgrounds. He's one. He's the longest tenure of any head coach in all four of the U.S. major sports leagues. And his success with the Spurs is kind of unprecedented, and it's a story of persistence and perfection. This guy is intense to the to the to the max. His leadership is unwavering. His commitment to excellence is stu- it's it's stunning. And having this in his back pocket, along with five championships to his name, I don't know what else to say. It's just an amazing accomplishment. It's just sad that the Spurs aren't that relevant ever since Tim Duncan, Parker, Ginobili have retired. That was that was that golden era, and when he had Dave Robinson as well. He definitely has a lot to thank to those guys for all the wins he's accumulated. But they definitely know reach the success they had as individual players without Greg Popovich at the helm along the way. Popovich made those guys great players as well and elevated their games and taught them what it meant to play team ball, sacrifice for your teammates to win championships. That's what you need to do to win. And that's what they did. And they're all in the Hall of Fame are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Tony Parker and Maginoli are shoe-ins, and Tim Duncan and Dave Robinson are already in the Hall of Fame. All these guys are all-time greats, and they have a lot to thank Popovich for that. He made them better players. He taught them the fundamentals of the game, how to play selfless team basketball. He won a gold medal as the U.S. Olympic head coach at this past um, summer in 2021. What has what hasn't he accomplished? What hasn't he? The only thing you probably say about Greg Popovich is he never repeated as the champions. He never went back to back. That's only that's the only thing you could probably say about him. And why I rank him with my all time head coaches in NBA history? It's kind of hard to compare eras because you have Red Auerbach who won eight straight with Bill Russell and the Celtics and eleven overall as the head coach. Phil Jackson won eleven as head coach, six with MJ and Scotty, and he won. Three with Shaq and Kobe, and another two with Kobe and Gasol. So it's like, whoa! Like, if I if I had to bring Greg Popovich, I in the modern era, he'll be behind Phil Jackson to me because Phil Jackson repeated. So and he three peated like <laughs> three times, twice with MJ and Scotty, and once with Kobe and Shaq. So Greg Popovich will be just below Phil Jackson in the modern era. But if we're talking all time, all time. I'll probably put him third all time, which is still saying something. I'll probably put Red Auerbeck, one or two, whatever way you want to put it. Phil Jackson, probably two, Red Auerbeck one, and then Phil Popovich. Those are the top three undisputedly coaches of all time. No debate. Uh, Eric Spolster is a great coach. He's probably top five. He has really risen up in the rankings over the last few years. Leading a Heat team to the finals, having a lot of playoff success on that Miami Heat team after LeBron James and Dwayne Wade years. So he definitely gets more respect from the media over the last few seasons due to that. But Greg Popovich, man, having this accomplishment, I don't know if any coach is going to come close to this ever again. He has not, except for that first season when Dave Robinson got hurt and Tim Duncan was going to be the number one pick coming into the 96-97 season. He got drafted number one in 97. Besides that one season, and of course this season they're not going to make the playoffs, besides like this season and last season, I, I think the Spurs have made the playoffs pretty much almost every season he's coached. I think the 24 of the 26 seasons he's coached, he's made the postseason, which is ludicrous. And all the years Duncan played, 
he made the postseason. They did not miss postseason one time, not once. And they've won over 55, 60% of their games in the regular season. They were a winning machine. That's all they did. That's all they knew how to do was win. And if they didn't make the finals and win a championship, they were damn near close every single season. Western Conference Finals, they made deep playoff runs. And we got to give this guy his flowers while he's still here, man. Because we don't know how many years Greg Popovich is going to have left. So, and the Spurs, I think, are 11th seed in the West right now, or 12th seed. They're not coming to postseason this year. So I want to give him all the flowers he he deserves. As he might retire after the season, I don't know. Or he might still have a few years left. But salute to Greg Popovich. I'm coming the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. That's going to do it for the show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a like, leave reviews, because I want to get more reviews on what you guys think of the show, how I can get better and improve, stuff like that. So please leave a like, subscribe for your boy DJ Hamilton here. Hope you guys, this was a loaded show with a lot of different topics. I didn't even get to get into Naomi Osaka. I might just do an article on tennis. And this article, I have an idea for soccer. As you know, make sure you tune into the website as well where I cover a lot of content. I like to cover different things on the podcast and what I write so I can cover more material sometimes. What I write, I cover on the podcast. And sometimes when I record on the podcast, I also write. Sometimes I don't, so I can recover more material, get more things out and sporting news out for you guys. And also just to get better at my craft. You know what I mean? So you can listen to me at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Roberto Public, Overcast, you name it. Like there's so many platforms you listen to me on. And I hope you guys continue to love the show. I want to continue to get better, strive for greatness. I graduate in two and a half months from two new posts from my bachelor's in communications, which is exciting. And here on spring break, still putting in work. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And yeah, it's your host, DJ Hamilton. I'll see y'all next time.